This is a Cherish podcast, and I'm your host, Michael Boudreau. I'll be taking you for an inside look behind the glamorous facade of the interior design industry. At a time when every aspect of the business, from sourcing to trends to marketing to dealing with clients, is undergoing rapid change. Fashion and home design have had a long and rich relationship. Ever since frugal English aristocrats repurposed old curtains and wall hangings into dresses in the 18th century, Scarlett O'Hara was hardly the first, the connection between interiors and clothing has been complicated, complementary, and mutually beneficial. Some of the most acclaimed and influential interiors of the past century have belonged to designers. Coco Chanel, Christian Dior, Hubert de Givenchy, Bill Blass, Oscar de la Renta, Calvin Klein, Ralph Lauren, and of course, Karl Lagerfeld and Yves Saint Laurent, to name just a few. And interior designers have looked to the runways for inspiration for color palettes, textiles, atmosphere, and trends. But it has never proven easy for fashion designers to make much of a dent in the home business, though many have tried. Fashion moved fast, and interior design moved more slowly, and trends didn't always translate. But is that still true? To discuss the fashion-home connection, I'm lucky to have with me today two extremely talented designers who bring a fresh approach to the ongoing romance between fashion and interiors. First up is J.J. Martin, an American journalist who moved to Milan nearly 20 years ago and plunged into Milan's interior design world, quickly becoming one of the doyens of Salone del Mobile. Her passionate collecting of vintage fashion led to an online shop, and more recently, her own line of colorful, boldly patterned, and whimsical fashion jewelry, La Double J. She now has also expanded into a line of home accessories, including dinnerware, glasses, bedding, and beach towels that reflect her love of 70s looks and glamour. Welcome, JJ. Oh, thank you, Michael. I'm also pleased to have with us fashion designer Adam Lippis, whose clean line, feminine, and beautifully detailed clothing carries on the American tradition of luxury sportswear made famous by Bill Blass, Ralph Lauren, and Oscar de la Renta, with whom he worked for eight years. His passion for tradition is evident in both his Berkshire's Retreat, which was featured in Vogue, and his just-launched collection of housewares for the British brand Oka, which includes bone china dinnerware, glassware, and linens. Welcome, Adam. Thank you so much. So I want to get a sense from both of you guys. We'll start with you, JJ. You start out as a journalist, and you were always a woman of great style, as I know. When did you actually decide, and I know when you moved to Milan, you were very involved in the interiors world and the, and the high design world there. When did you decide to go into fashion as well and actually not only start selling fashion, but making fashion? So all of this happened very spontaneously. I took a cue from the Italians and I just, I didn't think much about it. I felt <laughs> into it. Fools rush in, right? <laughs> exactly. And at the beginning, this was a total passion project. I had been a journalist for 15 years writing for, I was on staff at Harper's Bazaar, the Wall Street Journal wallpaper. And I had done all the fashion shows. I had done all the design weeks. I had done every art fair and it was just this like circle. And I was like, I don't think I can interview George Armani anymore. <laughs> and so Not that was I, ever easy. <laughs> Mr. No, Armani. I, I mean, and I adore him, but it was just of sort of like this circle of very repetitive 
production. And that's what it felt like, production. And I had been drawn to the fashion world, drawn to the journalism world because it felt so creative and new and discovery-based. And then suddenly it didn't. And so I had had this huge habit of collecting vintage ever since I was living in New York in the late 90s and gobbling up things from the Chelsea flea market at ridiculously fabulous prices. And so I started selling that vintage collection online, but I wanted to have the editorial components. So I was featuring all the creative women in Milan and the ones that I could never write about because they weren't advertisers. So I was photographing the the art gallerists and the architects and the interior designers and the stylists in their home and really just reflecting this awesome creative bank, which is behind the scenes Milanese housewifery, which was just epic. I mean, it what like, you know, all these housewife shows in America, I just look at them and I laugh. I'm like, the queens of the housewives are in Milan and they would never be on television. You know, I had to kind of like really pry and get in there. And so it really just started as a passion project. And then slowly I started making new clothes once I figured out that selling vintage is a just a really difficult business to be in. And then slowly I moved into homeware and all of that happened extremely spontaneously and off the pages of a business plan. Wow. And Adam, how about you? Were you one of those people that knew at an early age what you wanted to do? I know you came from a stylish family. So would you talk a little about that? I always wanted to be a fashion designer. It was more about, I think, being obsessed with clothing than anything else. My mother, as you'll hear many male fashion designers say, was just very instrumental in that. She was actually a interior designer. Oh, uh, okay. So that got into you early on. So that got into my blood early on. Uh, and my father is in, was and isn't just a voracious collector. So I like to say that I sort of went to elementary school with my parents and grad school with Mr. De Laurenta. Because, <laughs> because at with Oscar to traveling the world and being exposed to the Agnellis and the Brandolinis and blah, you know the houses in Italy and Greece and, and everywhere, it really opened my my mental eyes to what is out there. So by that time, I was a fashion designer, but I was so exposed to these extraordinary interiors. And frankly, interiors started to interest me and still do a whole lot more because you're not limited to the form of the body. Right. And so that that has taken my interest in interiors to, to where it is. Right. And it's interesting that you were talking about you got to travel and all that. And JJ, you became a journalist. And one of the things that I think the magazines used to do was expose the rest of us to what's behind those thick stone walls in Milan or country houses behind the hedges or the Hamptons. And now I think the Internet has opened that up even more. And it's interesting, JJ, that your business came about because you started posting your journalism online. Essentially, you took that online. And now you both have collections that are sold online. And there's so many more outlets. I mean, Adam, I know your clothes are at Bergdorf Goodman, and that's great, and different stores across the country, but you also sell online. Do you guys think that the home fashion connection has been enriched by the possibilities of the internet? JJ, obviously, it's changed the way you operate. So what do you say? 
Well, I started my business as a direct-to-consumer digital online brand, and it was really unexpected when we started getting the wholesale orders because we were like, we did not build in the margins for this. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> Oops. Yeah. Oh, shipping costs. Oh, yeah. So we had to make some adjustments. Right. And that being said, it was sort of a happy surprise, and it really carried us through the first couple of years. Just, you know, the wholesale is amazing to build the visibility and to get you out to a global audience, which I could never do on my own. So they're doing half the battle for you. I wasn't making a ton of money from wholesale. It's a bit of a drug wholesale. Wholesale is like a drug. It really is. It really, really is. But we were, I, I was really lucky because um, my partner in my business, who is my ex-husband, he had an internet company and it was just kind of like being in the right time, exactly the right place. And he really built my machine. And to answer your question, the internet is an amazing place to sell homewares and you need to be set up properly. A lot of people think you just turn on your website and everything is working well. It is a highly complex manner of doing business. It requires a lot of planning, a lot of professionals, and there aren't that many professionals right, <laughs> that, that right. specialize in it. Right. It's, a, it's still young. It's hard to believe, but the internet is still quite young. You're right. People do think like, let me put it online and it'll sell. And that is simply not what happens. It needs to be marketed. It needs to be the amount of attention that a, a proper website takes from the technology on up to the pretty pictures. It's immense. It is right. immense. Well, I always say you can, you know, I tell designers, you can start a website, but if nobody's going there. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You know, how do you get people there? But I want to get a sense from you guys how you see the connection, because many, many successful designers, I mean, it's, I think it started with Pierre Cardin when he started licensing his name and Bill Blass did it and, you know, Calvin Klein has licensed name. And when, when they actually deal with extensive lines, Ralph Lauren has managed to sustain his home collection, although I understand it's not been easy. Calvin Klein home is really no longer his furniture lines. Do you think that the glamour of fashion translates to the consumer for home? I think one of the big issues today with what has happened is back in the day of, of Calvin Furniture, Oscar Furniture, people look to fashion designers for style for their entire life. Unfortunately, today, they're looking to celebrity. And celebrity has taken a lot of that away from the, at least the fashion designer. I mean, I fell into it because my homes were photographed so much that I started to have reach out from brands that wanted me to partner with them on designing home. And I finally did something with, with a brand I felt was appropriate for me. It's a very different world out there for fashion designers. And not only in the home business, by the way, in the licensing business in general, because of celebrity. Celebrity has taken that. Look at the cover of, look at most of the covers of AD. Right. And it's a double-edged sword. The internet, like JJ, it's made your whole business possible, but it also made a lot of other businesses possible. And I think that it's probably had the effect of lessening the powers, you were saying, Adam, of the designer name. You know, if everybody can do a collection of sheets or everyone can do a collection of pillows. And it's, I think it's harder to get a fashion designer's name to reach that level that they can translate it into full license collection, furniture, all of that. There's very few left. I don't think anyone has done it since Ralph successfully. And that's partly because of an upstart like you, JJ, wouldn't you say? Yeah. You know, the, the thing that's so funny, you guys, is that 
I'm not a designer. I never pretend I'm a designer. I never set out to be a designer. And suddenly I'm like designing collections, you know? So, <laughs> so you're and a designer. I, I, so yeah. I guess I am. And I kept resisting it. It was so funny uh, because watching the iteration, you know what I learned? And this came from my spiritual practice. I just sit back. I intend for a certain thing to happen. And I just let the mother come through. And that's what happens. I have these visions. I, I get these like downloads basically of these dreams and these imaginations, et cetera. I have no idea how to realize it. I have no idea who can design it, et cetera. But when you just start putting that intention out there, you become this magnet and you start drawing. I mean, I was just getting phone calls from people so randomly, like the Murano glass supplier saying, hey, we'd love to do a collaboration with you. Like, are you kidding me? And you're an, you're an 18th century Murano glass supplier? Hell yeah, we're doing that. You know, and this is what happens. And and the, the real start of this, and I think this is what's different from the way fashion used to be. If you're 100% heart invested right now in this moment, it shows. People relate to it. It has got to feel authentic. It cannot feel like it was phoned home and that the junior designer did the catalog for you. Like it has got to be something that you believe in and other people relate to that. That's what's happening now. I totally agree. I think what's happened is, is that the smaller designers have been given opportunities because of the authenticity to what they're doing. They aren't a big brand deciding, a designer brand deciding, I want to get into home and they get all the licenses together and they get a bunch of people to put out a bunch of basically junk that you can find anywhere else. Right. This is, I mean, JJ, what you do is so authentic. If you're a customer and you they like what you do, they can't find that somewhere else. It's you, you know, and, and that right. is that does rise to the top today. And I was just going to say, Adam, the same thing goes for you because people related to your homes. Exactly. They that's want why it works. that. And that's how I started too, you know, just tinkering around my, my Milan apartment and being like, but I, I need to, you know, it took me like five years to decorate that apartment then, Michael, that you shot for right. El Decor, you know? Right. And then, you know, and, and they become these sort of, the home almost becomes this like, womb of creativity in which like things are tinkered with and like it's the laboratory i feel it very much like this and a home is I never agree. done i'm always repainting like yeah like I'm, re I'm totally recreating in the house even though a magazine just came like six you know six months ago to shoot it and i'm like but now we need to change everything i think that that today because we've commercialized so much what our industry has become. It's become so commercial that, um, you know, it's not this love of design. I mean, I change my house around like an insane person. Even when I'm like, it is so good. It is so perfect. And suddenly I find a new table and I have to redo the entire room because of the <laughs> damn table. Um, you know, and that is love of home. And JJ, you have that and it shows. And this authenticity, the key word is this authenticity. The customer, because of the internet is exposed to so much you can't fool them anymore. And Adam, what about you? Because retail, first of all, pre-pandemic was having problems, you know, the stores and all that. Now, nobody's going out in the pandemic and everything. I think fashion is really hurting. Home, surprisingly, has done amazingly well because everybody's at home and unhappy with their home. So what do you see happening in terms of your your fashion line, per se, as opposed to your home goods line? Well, interestingly, we're opening a, our first flagship store on Friday. 
Oh my goodness, congratulations. Here in Manhattan. So that's exciting. We've been building that out for the past six months. I love someone who has faith in New York City. That's so yeah. great. As the world is collapsing, I figured it was time to, to lean in. Right. And it is really like coming into my living room. I'm, I've been collecting objects for the past year for the store, even though, you know, our margins are horrible. And it's not about that. It's about creating an environment. And our Instagram is, is the same. It's funny because when I post our fashion on my Instagram, because I have to, to feed the baby, right. It is our least engaged post ever because right. they want to see my, the Instagram is just things I love. It's just very simple. It's, right. like, it's what, very personal. It's personal. What inspires right. me? It's all that I want to show. And our new store will really be a very big reflection of home. It'll have our product with Oka. We're also doing a glassware collaboration that will be launching there. Oh, great. Home has done well for us during the pandemic and our t-shirts have done well. Otherwise, fashion has been pretty much a disaster. Yeah, yeah. Now, I wanted to ask each of you where you still find your inspiration and how much of your inspiration for your for both lines, but fashion especially, comes from your knowledge of interiors. Like, JJ, you're in the hotbed of creativity in Milan there. Do you, like, go and see Demore Studio and you see their color palette and you think, oh, this is something I should adapt? Emiliano came over to give me advice on the green in my guest room. Are you kidding okay. me? Like, there's, like, a reason. Like, you know, it's lucky hilarious. Lucky you. You know, no, very I, lucky I, you. I am. I'm very spoiled. And this is something that is so beautiful because the journalism career you know, it was my job to go out mm. and find these creative people and to interview them. And in the course of that, I, I became friends with a lot of them. And every single creative project I do, whether it's for the homes that I've done here or my fashion business, I take a super collaborative approach. Again, I don't want to be this like oligarch, <laughs> for right. lack of a better word, right. on top of the ziggurat. <laughs> it's probably like totally not the right. Uh, <laughs> no, no, I get uh, it. That makes sense. Different right. cultures, but it makes I'm sense. I'm pulling different things in here, you right. guys. Bear with me. My approach has always been super collaborative and I have always just called friends and I feed off the energy of other people. I'm not the kind of person to just like sit around with books. I get super activated being in the presence of other creative people. And that can even just be over dinner or coffee or whatever it is. But I leave these encounters like fireworks coming out of me. So that's where I get really inspired. And it happened in this home that I, I just finished. I moved in one week before the pandemic and the lockdown in Milan and then finished it right when we were coming out. And, you know, I had an artist friend do the ceiling of the meditation room. I had another artist take collages I found in Bali and create a wallpaper in one room. I had another artist, I mean, I had another artist do the curtains. I had a friend of mine find the 1995 polyform kitchen from an old senora's house that we recycled. So wow. it's literally like dialing for dollars and making connections. So and that's people where, telling you things and you seeing yeah. things. Yeah, it's, it's really... And I find I cannot, when I have phoned it in or, or, um, delegated that creative duty to someone else, the magic never happens. It may sound a bit trite, but we, we are a team here of just the most incredible people. 
and the ideas that get bounced off and the excitement on a day to day. It's why I love what I do because of this energy that we have here from a design director to the interns that come in and what they're wearing and the creative just gets pulled in from the people here and frankly from our customers, because it's very important to me, these women, how they live their life, what they do. And it really is a, um, it really is just this mishmash of ideas and creativity that come together on a very big collaborative stage. I mean, we do not do sort of, oh, I'm doing an Egyptian collection now, or I'm going, we don't do that. And, you know, I like to say, it's funny because the creative output is not the problem. Actually, that can be the problem because there's so damn much of it. It's the editing that's the problem. (laughs) Right, right. Now, your style, I would think it's safe to say, is somewhat more classic than JJ's. I know that you love English country style in terms of your home and that, and your your house in the Berkshires is, I'd say, more traditional, as is your collection for Oka, for example. I haven't seen the Glassware collection. So how do you get inspiration for that? Do you still feel that that's of interest to people, that it still inspires you? I literally don't care if it's of interest to people or not, because it's <laughs> of interest to me. And there, there are so many people out there. I mean, I had a friend come over once to my apartment, my new apartment in Brooklyn. They said, my God, you live like my grandmother. And I said, God, I, I wish I could have met her. <laughs> you know? She, she must have been amazing. great. Right. I go through cycles. I mean, my apartment, that El Decor shot on 12th Street here, was very modern, super modern. That's true. I remember that. And and I just sort of detested 18th century French furniture. And then I started to love it. And now I'm getting, you know, obsessed with sort of crazy Chippendale English pieces, which I've always, I really flow through these crazy cycles of appreciating different styles. Well, that's why I always envied Karl Lagerfeld, because he never had a change. He'd just buy a new house and then exactly. do it in that style, you know, which is I and then you can move in between them. I think, that, you know, with, whether it was Bauhaus or Gustavian or exactly. Art Deco. He did it. Yeah, he did it. He did it all. Hi, everybody. I'm Anna Brockway, the co-founder and president of Cherish. Are you a designer struggling with really long lead times from your suppliers and increasingly impatient clients in this need it now world? Cherish is more important than ever. Our vintage, antique, and one-of-a-kind inventory is ready to ship right now. To learn more, visit Cherish.com. That's C-H-A-I-R-I-S-H.com. And now back to the show. So I want to get a sense from both of you. What do you think is going to happen next? I mean, this is such a weird time we've lived through this last year, but, you know, there is hope on the horizon. The vaccine is out there. Spring is coming. People, I think, are going to be able to assemble together, maybe even dress up, we hope. So what do you think is going to happen and where will you be looking to get inspired and to move ahead? So, JJ, what about you? Well, uh, for me, you know, it was interesting. As you guys were talking, I was thinking to myself, the inspiration, again, it's not like a, I need to go there for the inspiration. If for me, the inspiration comes with a feeling. I'm very empathic with color, with prints, with patterns. And I think that's why our homeware looks as bonkers as it does, because there's not any kind of like, is someone going to like this? Like, does this work? That's honestly not how I do it. I get a hurt sensation and it's like this heat that comes through the body and it's like a visceral reaction and interaction 
with these colors and prints and patterns. And so that's really the inspiration is really almost like my own emotional response, my own energetic connection with it. And it can come from anywhere. I have been extremely, I like the word activated more than inspired because like, it's like every level of my being gets activated when I'm in Bali, when I'm in the deserts, when I'm on the island of Pantelleria, when I am like submerged in nature. So we are able to create our own way of existing. And I think this is what's so exciting. And people more and more want to have a bigger experience. And I think fashion and homeware can absolutely be a part of it because it's an expression of joy. It's an expression of beauty. And this is a noble pursuit. What's not a noble pursuit is if all you're doing is like buying fashion and homeware, then things can get a little bit storto, as they say in Italian, you know what I mean? Like a little bit distorted. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So it's great to have that balance. And I don't think there's anything wrong as we look forward and try to all become like more awakened human beings. Fashion and, and design have an absolutely have a place there. And it's through inspiration and joy. Yeah, I have customers who say now more than ever, I just love this. Where am I going to wear it? And I always say, well, does it make you happy? And if the answer is yes, well, I've done my job. So, you know. <laughs> there will be. True. People are not going to stop meeting friends for dinners, lunches, having weddings, having bar mitzvahs, all of that stuff. It's not going to stop. I do predict that the fashion is going to come back. I know I'm longing to wear something nice, to put a tie on, you know, for which I haven't sure done in probably will. two years. For, there's no doubt it will. And But I think that what's one thing that's super cool about homeware is that for the first time, it's something that you buy to share with someone else. Right. Which is not the case with your dress. But you do go dress up and show it off and you hope that people people do respond, you know, and you feel better. But if you're sharing your plates and sharing a meal and sharing drinks, it's a more community connective based activity. True. And I think COVID has made the importance of that ever clearer, either because you couldn't or because you have to do so so carefully. And I think, you know, now it's spring and summer coming and more outdoors and people will be a little more relaxed and cases are going down. And I think people are longing for that, you know? I think so too. Yeah. Now, Adam, I want to ask you, where are you looking? Because as you said, you have almost sequential loves, you know, like now you went from very modern to Chippendale. What are you looking at now? Because I, I think what JJ said is totally true about inspiration, but you have to be open to that, which she obviously is. She's wide open. <laughs> but what about you? What are you looking at? What are you thinking? Because I know there's styles that 15 years ago I wouldn't have looked at twice that suddenly now seem so interesting to me when I go to like the Met or something, periods that before I didn't care about. In the furniture design world, I've gotten very, very into Art Nouveau, which I have hated for so long. Oh, there you go. Good um, example. And the inspiration for Art Nouveau, which obviously came from from nature with the natural shapes and the workmanship that was still happening during that period, which stopped shortly thereafter, is very interesting to me and interesting to me in design, but also I find it very undervalued. So I've become very interested in how to begin incorporating that those pieces in my life without making a statement on it. But as for a specific time period, that is interesting me the most right now. 
That's amazing you say that because my building is Art Nouveau and what's on our, and what's on our resort board right now is all of the painted frescoes from our my entryway of my building that are like, very Art Nouveau. So I'm right in the flow yeah, we're with in the you. Same, we're in the same wavelength. It happens, it. it happens. <laughs> right, right. But it's so interesting that you're both kind of looking at that because I do think there's something in the air among very attuned people such as yourself not that I think the whole world's going Art Nouveau. That will never happen, for better or worse. And nobody wants to live in an Art Nouveau period room. That's why you go to museums. You don't want to live in it. But it's so interesting that it's kind of out there in the in the world. So I'm fascinated. It's, but don't you think that's because of the feminine? It's a very feminine well. energetic. And natural. And I think and natural. And, but the, it's the curves and the lines right, and the right, flow and the right. ease. And that's a that's a very feminine energetic as opposed to the straight lines, very masculine, like going like this. There's a real sense of ease. And I, this is what people need right now. Right. <laughs> they need to that's relax. what people want. That's what people want. Right. People are longing for outdoor now more than ever you know this is one thing covid has made clear in gardens and outdoor spaces and i think art nouveau ties right into that i think i agree and i think a bigger picture is at least our customer is looking to looking to understand the mix jj you do the mix brilliantly i like to think that although yes my house is like a grandmother it's 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 a mix of periods and shapes and weird colors and it's a mix of all different stuff from you know a hundred dollar wicker thing I bought to a very expensive cabinet and the customer at least ours they really want to try to understand the mix because the mix not to take a lot of credit here and JJ you do it amazingly well too the mix is something very hard for most people it really is they don't understand how to do it. And, you know, I, I don't always get it right. That's why I'm always redoing my house, you know? And it's like... But not getting it right is part of it. Yeah, right. exactly. That's part of it. You have to be free. You have to be free. And you have to... Re- and this is the other part about the spontaneity. When you're looking for the amazing vintage pieces for that hole in your hallway, you never find it. But w- the minute you find a piece, then you find the absolute perfect piece right after that. Yeah. So vintage shopping, I always... Be- when I was growing my, my uh, clothing and jewelry collection... I always said, you go to the vintage fair with zero expectation and complete openness because then the vintage gods deliver. If you go saying, I need to find a cupboard and this sized armoire, you're not coming home with anything. You have to allow the magic to happen. And this is just a great metaphor for creativity in general. And again, about and and we are in a commercial business, it goes to the point of buying what you love. And then figuring it out. Totally. Because right. you never go wrong then. You just never go wrong. And and I think one thing I learned in Italy, which was a huge lesson and not American at all, was take your time. There's mm. no rush in decorating a home. And I think that our American can do, must do, have to do tomorrow mentality, which is... Get it done. Get it it done. done. Which is amazing in so many ways, can also be debilitating and a liability in the overall beauty that emerges because you can kind of cut off that creative process, like amputate it almost because it needs a longer timeline. It needs a different rhythm. I recently spoke to a big American homeware company and we were talking about what they do. And I said, who actually comes in and buys an airplane wing room, like who, or who comes in and is buying the French provincial room. And they said the majority of their business is customers buying whole rooms. I'll take that room. 
Unbelievable. Like, it's so not what I understand or do. You know. Well, you you mentioned both of you mentioned freedom and being and trying things, but I think freedom to a lot of people is scary. You know, I mean, I think that's why they look to both of you. That's why they look to interior designers. People are afraid of making a mistake. Exactly. People are very afraid. And fairness to them, you can make some very expensive mistakes in the interiors. I mean, not that fashion can't be expensive, but if you buy the wrong dress or a suit that you wear once and it doesn't really work for you, that's not a major thing. But if you buy a room full of furniture, you know, you're talking some money. Don't buy a room full of furniture. (laughs) Well, exactly. Not all at once. Exactly what JJ was saying. You're absolutely right. It requires a certain amount of patience and impulse control. Living with an empty house or half furnished is one of the all-time most frustrating experiences. You know, and I did this during COVID. I mean, I could literally like just feel my pores like, I I need to fill it. And, And it was honestly, I learned something about tolerance and tolerating the unknown, tolerating emptiness, tolerating a job that's half finished. Like, how can you relax into that and believe that it's going to happen? And that's the scared part. People don't allow, they, they don't have tolerance for that fear. Here in America, I mean, I have a number, a number, a number of European, French, English, Italian friends who live in the homes of their parents, grandparents, great-grandparents, whether the main home or a secondary home. I don't know one person in America who still lives in their parents, grandparents, great-grandparents' home. We just don't do that. We throw out the baby in the bathwater and start again. Totally. It's true. It's the American way. So it's been so interesting, I think, in terms of home and fashion, really, and it's only been about 30 years, that the whole idea of vintage, which, you know, was used. It used to be used, thrift shop. That's what poor people bought. And I think there's been this growing thing over the last few decades about the beauty of vintage and the utility. And now with this, you know, the effort to try and make things more sustainable is even taken on a PC connotation. But I think that history is always inspiring when you, the best of it. And I think that this whole rage for vintage, which you were so important in making it chic, JJ, has really helped change the way people live. So, I wanted to get a sense, just in closing, guys, because this has been so fascinating. Where do you see the connection between home and design in the next five or so years? Do you think that the balance is shifting to people will be spending less on clothes and more on their home? Or do you think that's going to shift back? Because this has been such an aberration. If I was good at predicting, I would be much richer than I am. So I'm not going to try that. I think, I hope this was an aberration. I hope our customer wants to get dressed again. Certainly, I'm in the business of selling clothing, basically. And I believe that she will. That being said, I'm not looking to take over the world here. Right. You know, I love what I do. I love our customers. I love creating beautiful clothes using the best fabrics I can and sewing them all here. And that makes me so happy. I'm hoping to keep building a sense of style and a sense of the mix, whether it's it's home or, or otherwise, and making product I am proud of and our customer and makes her happy and makes her smile. And that's all I want to do. It's such a noble pursuit to say, I don't want to take over the world because that's like an aberration in the fashion world because it is. it's almost like 
what do you mean you don't want to get bigger? What do you mean you don't want to get bought by LVMH? What do you mean? You're not going to say, are you going to sell to LVMH? JJ, I don't think so. Oh, yeah. I I mean, (laughs) you're right. I think that, you know, it, that would make my life really difficult. And, and I was approached last year about taking over creative direction of a a big European house. And I was like, I'm not prepared for that. Why do you come for me to this? You know, (laughs) but anyway, I was like, are you sure? I don't, I don't think so. But it was so funny because really what I just said at the end of the day is like, I only have bandwidth for this and my life. And, you know, we all need to be practicing finding that equilibrium in our lives, in our businesses. For sure, Homeware took a huge rocket ship launch during COVID. I'm so grateful that we had such a big I mean, we were, we're like sold out of most of our homeware and, you know, we make this stuff in Italy. It takes them forever to make it. So (laughs) reorders is complicated, but I will say, you know, remember there's only so much furniture you can buy every year, you know, your closet is sort of endless. So I do think that for the epic shoppers out there, just by virtue of like space, clothing will always have a bigger share of the market. That being said, the tabletop area away, you know, hard for it's pretty tough to sell someone more than like one couch in a 10 year period for most people. So the tabletop has huge potential. And I'm not so much about selling people a product anymore, even though like my business partner would like throw me out of the window right now. <laughs> I'm, I'm much more about creating a mood in a community of women that I feel really good around and yeah. that we can hopefully yeah. add a little sunshine Yeah. 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 That's all you want to do. I mean, it is funny. Fashion cycles through these keywords that they grasp onto, whether it's inclusivity or whatever it is. And now it's sustainable. And you hear these designers talking about sustainability as they are trying to sell new clothes every season to people. It's like, you you know, and that's 12 collections a year. But Adam, that's another really good point. We should never feel Uh, pushed to do what the trend is, even if it's sustainable. I totally love your collection, JJ. And I totally love yours, Adam. It's like, and you uh, you know, I love what Adam does too. And I'm the biggest fan of the nonna aesthetic. Are you kidding me? Like it's, (laughs) and I love what you do. So it's, and my house is like that too. You know, it's just, there's things everywhere of, uh, uh, this is the best thing is, not just being one style. The mix, the mix. The mix. Anyway, I want to thank you guys. This has been so thank much you. fun. Thank you, JJ Martin. Thank you, Adam Lippis. And thank you all, my listeners, for listening to the Cherish Podcast. You've been listening to the Cherish Podcast, brought to you, of course, by Cherish, which was recently voted by the readers of USA Today as the best place to shop online for furniture and home decor. If you enjoyed this episode, please tell a friend or colleague. Or better yet, go to Apple Podcasts and leave us a review. We appreciate your help in spreading the word. And we would love your ideas for future episodes. Please email us at podcast at cherish.com. The Cherish Podcast is produced by Britta Muller and engineered by Hanger Studios in New York. Until next time. <laughs>